Welcome, welcome back to She Can Talk. I am your host, Gongali, aka Colleen Eat Wings on Instagram. If you want to know what we've been eating, what we're doing, I've been doing a little bit of home improvement. So if you go over to Colleen Eat Wings, you might see some of that. Hey, Gongali MC on Instagram. If you want to see any music, any music related things I'm doing, I got some music dropping in this month. So check that out up there. Hey, also, you can go over to doerecords.com. She Can Talk, the podcast, also has an Instagram. That is She Can Talk, the podcast, on Instagram. Or just go over to www.doerecords.com and you can get everything. Everything that I just listed and more at doerecords.com. Hey, how y'all doing as we get in closer to this um, holiday season? We're in the holiday season. What am I talking about? So I digress. As we are now, the holiday season is upon us. How y'all feeling? Honestly, me... I'm in the holiday spirit. I'm not even gonna lie. I think that's that's always me. I love the holidays. I love to decorate the house. I love to um, get us matching outfits. All the whole family. I love to cook food, make special treats. This time of year, I always tend to order um, baked goods from Royal Caribbean Bakery in New York. I grew up on Royal Caribbean Bakery, the original, the official, official. I'm gonna buy it from the franchise store, the supermarket. I buy it directly from the bakery. And then mail it to me. So I always get like um some bun, like some bun and cheese, some bulla cake. May get some hard dough bread, and I also get some cocoa bread. So this year, because Colossal loves, you know, for real, I think Colossal's more Jamaican than me at times. But he loves Jamaican food, and so I said this year I'm gonna do a little treat. So I know cocoa bread is kind of thick, but it's soft. So I'm gonna do some patties and cocoa bread. Do something Caribbean. I don't know. I'm working it out, working it out. But um, something different this year, and nothing really big. Just like how I did for Thanksgiving. I didn't honestly, and that's my bad, guys. I didn't even post food for Thanksgiving this year because I kind of did the traditional staples of food but in tiny portions like we're on our health kick we're you know a back exercise and back watching our intake our sugar intake our calorie intake so I'm not going to indulge crazily throughout the holidays you know so for Thanksgiving uh, I'll just run the menu down for you I do have some pictures I may post it but I just didn't like the way it turned out my photography I should say food was delicious the food was great but um it really wasn't a lot so I don't know if you would even consider it a Thanksgiving plate, right? But I made some baked turkey wings, but I did it Jamaican style. So, like, I called my mom and I was like, hey, you know, growing up, remember how I used to do the Sunday turkey wing then with the gravy and your bacon in the oven? Can you hit me up with the recipe? And my mom was awesome. She was able to uh, walk me through making the turkey wings Jamaican style. So, it's just like really and truly seasonings but I don't know I feel like the way my mom instructed me to make it it made it nice and tender falling off the bone the turkey wings and I like the flats of the turkey wings not that big drumstick portion even though I cooked all of the wings but um I just like that part so when it's falling off the bone it's like that nice kind of darker meat juicier meat I love it so I did that then um Colossal said he wanted something different to go oh before I finish I didn't do the traditional turkey gravy I did mushroom gravy fresh mushrooms homemade mushroom gravy banging lately not lately but as I told you since a year ago since the pandemic hit I've been on a quest to cook more healthier food healthier foods less processed foods DoorDash is still in my life so I'm not even gonna act like oh my god I'm 100% there but um 
I do do more um, grocery shopping at like the farm versus just like big box supermarkets because you know you get more fresh things like you tend I tend to notice the farms they are harvesting their produce locally so I noticed that there's not really a lot of um, recall at the farmer's market versus like the big boxed markets, right? So like a couple of weeks ago, they had recall on onions. Weeks before that, they had recalls on lettuce, you know, and it just, it just keeps continuing. You know why, right? The manufacturing and processing. It's going through several different systems, several different, you know, processes and packaging before it gets boxed up and shipped to the supermarket. Once it gets to the supermarket, several different processes to remove it from the box, several different processes to finally make it available for us as consumers to purchase, right? That's a lot of freaking hands that it go through, right? A lot. And some people be like, oh, well, someone's picking your stuff and, you know, the vegetables still have dirt on it. I just like the fact that it's coming out the ground, right? I tried to grow some sweet potatoes last year, but it was a bust because yard before garden, and I learned that lesson after the fact, meaning that I had patches of my garden, I mean, excuse me, of my yard that could potentially chew the hell up out of a garden, right? So I had like some little critters and some shit going on some slugs, whatever the hell. So I had to get my yard under effect. So anyone who knows me and speaks to me on a daily basis knows what I've been battling all summer, (laughs) my yard. But anyway, it looks great now. I'm grateful for the results and the potential, um, just the progress of it and the growth. So I am happy there. But um, yeah, so I've been buying more groceries, more fresh, farm fresh stuff. So I make more fresh sides and dinners and etc. So for example, <clears throat> let me continue giving you my Thanksgiving menu cuz you know I always run off into a tangent. She can talk. That's the name of this sh- the show so you already know. But um for Thanksgiving, 3 weeks late, here we go. Um I had roasted turkey wings. We had some lamb chops, some lollipop lamb, so you know how like the little bone sticking out of it. Then we had, and so let me go back. I did mushroom turkey wings. So it was mushroom gravy with the turkey wings. I did chimichurri lamb chops and we did potato au gratins. And I used four different cheeses, all fresh, all from the Amish farm. I did garlic cheese, onion cheese, white cheddar cheese, and um, white cheddar cheese and yellow extra sharp cheddar cheese. Just to give it the cheesy. Oh, and mozzarella, fresh mozzarella shredded up into it. Everything shredded. I'm also learning that I love to shred my own cheese versus buying those blocks of cheese, excuse me, buying those bags of shredded cheese, another process, right? It's going through. And I noticed the difference. When I shred my own cheese, it's light, it's fluffy, it's airy. It doesn't matter what type of cheese it is that I'm shredding. It just comes out with the, it gives the effect that I'm looking for when I'm cooking. But um, when I notice when I get that bag shredded cheese, and don't get me wrong, I still get like one or two just for like, hey, quick, throw some cheese in a salad type of thing. But for the most part, I think I still do shred cheese even when, when making salads. So there you go. But um, so I did a potato au gratin. That was basically like scallop potatoes. Some people call it potato au gratin. We grew up calling it potato au gratin. And then um, as I got older, I, you see like the box ones in the store that you can buy, the processed ones. Then I started seeing that as some would say scallop potatoes, some would say potato au gratin. But you know, that's that thinly sliced potatoes, kind of layered like lasagna with a creamy cheese, like a macaroni and cheese, cheese. Then you kind of lay it with actual cheese on top of it, onions, garlic. Oh my goodness. I think me personally, that was the best part of my Thanksgiving was the potato au gratin. 
Then I did a seafood stuffing. You know, I tend to do a seafood seafood stuffing every year. And you may not know that because I only had She Can Talk for one year. So let me break that down to you guys. Um, about five years now. It's been about five years. But I legit went on YouTube and was just looking for different Thanksgiving ideals because one thing I do love about Colossal, he is very open-minded to trying different things when it comes to food and what have you. He has a very wide taste palette. He actually expanded my taste palette over the years and made me more open to trying different things whereas before I'd be like, hell no. So I know with him, I can definitely try a new menu, a new recipe, and he'll be a good sport about it and give it a try, right? And he also is my worst critic or my harshest critic. So he would tell me like, no, babe, that's not hitting. <laughs> like macaroni and cheese. That's the story for another episode. I have to do a whole episode. I might have to bring him on so he could talk about my macaroni and cheese in the early stages, in the early stages, excuse me. So the early days of us being together and not saying I couldn't cook because he could tell you I always cooked, but I cooked like for, I was like a bachelorette cooker, right? So I would do like big pots of fettuccine and just eat on that for a week. Or I would do a big, a big ass bowl of like chicken breast salad with like fruits and everything in it and I would eat on that for a week just keeping it real simple because I didn't have a whole tribe to feed right and I didn't have a whole bunch of hungry people at my house so I would just cook solo dolo right but I always would cook still large amounts but just for me but so it could last for a few days that was I guess my getaway of um, food prepping before food prepping was a thing I would make like a large whatever it was and just eat on that for a few days. So anyway, so when he met me, like I legit remember one of the very first days he came to my house, like when we were dating and this is like Virginia beach days. And I had like made a big salad with like cranberries in it. Well, craisins. I loved craisins and salads back then. I still do kind of, and, um, chicken breast. So like big chicken breast cut up through it. With, like romaine lettuce, spinach, like just a nice hearty salad, cucumbers, red onions, red cabbage, nice hearty salad, big ass salad. And so he, you know, he's chilling or whatever. And uh, we were working on some music. And I said, Hey, are you hungry? And he was like, yeah, what you got? And I was like, uh, I, I said, I eat weird. I got like a chicken salad. I don't know if that, if you'll like that. And he was like, what? I love stuff. This is what I'm talking about. So he got all hype. I made him a nice big salad, put some nice like seasonal dressing on it. And he crushed it and was like, yo, this is so banging. Like that was banging. That was like a restaurant style salad. And I did try to strive for that like nice hearty salad, you know, that could hold you over for a few days, right? I could eat that tomorrow, hold me over for a few days. So some people might be like, no, it's rabbit food, but I did have protein and it had nice thick chunks of chicken breast that I cooked the chicken myself, cut it up, put it in salad. But, um, so earlier days, right? Like one of our first Thanksgivings, you know, cause I didn't really honestly even cook traditional food for Thanksgiving. I would cook, um, I would just cook like a Cornish hen for myself or, you know what I'm saying? Or whatever. But, or if not, I would go see my family or see you hang out with, with family and friends and just eat someone else's cooking. So I never really was pressed about, I need to cook a Thanksgiving because I didn't really have like kids or you know a lot of family coming to see me per se so I was just like I'm good but um when Colossus and I got together I was like you know we're gonna start new traditions because we're kind of like our own family now like we moved away we we took we stepped out on our own right we left Virginia we came to Florida and um everything we're doing now is a we're trying to break generational curses that's for sure but we're also moving forward and creating our own new traditions for family and God bless it hopefully for our future generations to come right for our kids their kids grandkids etc so I said I'm gonna do 
Christmas dinner. No, excuse me. Thanksgiving dinner. Sorry. I'm jumping ahead. Thanksgiving dinner. And I think the first time I did Thanksgiving dinner, I did a Stouffer's because once again, it wasn't a big dinner, but I did a Stouffer's mac and cheese. Now, if there's anyone out there that's familiar with the Stouffer's mac and cheese, the frozen one in that aluminum tray, yo, I swear to you, if no one, if none of y'all know how to make mac and cheese, right? And you go to the store and get that family size. When you pull it out, it's like an aluminum tray. When you pull it out the box, throw that joint in the oven. Let that cook down. Then let that get brown on the top. Let me tell you, they're going to be praising you at the party like, yo, you know, Colleen's back and cheese is the best. What you put in it, right? Because it looks homemade and it gives you that homemade taste. It's not like 100% homemade, but it's a really, really close store-bought version in my opinion so when I was younger you know starting my family traditions I said I'm gonna go ahead and just keep it simple and I think of my first one we did like a like I said I was just trying so it was like a big chuck roast and some Stouffer's mac and cheese and some collard greens right something simple I don't, it wasn't even and I think I did like a salad and then um you know the cranberry sauce etc so it was cool it was all right so the next year um, out here in Florida and Publix, they have, and I'm pretty sure they have it everywhere. Cause I seen it in Virginia too. Um, grocery stores will do like their Thanksgiving packages where you'll get like the meat. It'll be frozen. Of course you have to cook it. You'll get like a Turkey, all the size, the size might be pre-prepped, but it might be cold and you just throw everything in the oven day of, and you have a Thanksgiving thing. So I opted to do that the second year just to try my hand at cooking a Turkey, even though I probably didn't even have enough people to feed, but my cousins did come over that year. And so it was a few of us there. But um, long story short, I did a Thanksgiving turkey. Yeah, my turkey was banging. My turkey was banging. But once again, you know, Colossus was like, babe, I want some mac and cheese, you know, it's Thanksgiving. So I got a Stouffer's mac and cheese again. Right. So the year after that, um, it's like holiday time and, you know, holiday time when you're at work, what happens? Potlucks. Right. And I am a very picky eater and I definitely kind of do the research on, you know, who cooked what, who did what. And I kind of me personally, I watch people throughout the year. I don't, I don't wait to potluck time or to Christmas time or to when we're cooking and sharing food time to be watching how you move to see if I want to trust your food. And honestly, some people will deceive you. They'll look clean as a whistle. And you go into their house and you'd be like, that's a dead rat on the stove. What the fuck is going on in here, right? So you really can't trust people's cooking. I'm really like that. I get that from my granny. I get it from the old time Jamaican ladies that raised me. But I also know that's a black thing. It's a... um. It's not even a black thing. I could just say it's a people thing. Like people know how people get down. So you tend to be a little bit more leery about eating other people's food. So one thing I will say that I am grateful for about the pandemic, you know, there's a few, you know, pros and cons. I always try to look for the silver lining. No more potlucks, right? Yay. But anyway, I can't front. I did experience some really great potlucks over the last couple of years at my job because I was kind of spearheading them and organizing them. So I'm screening and etc. And not to be judgmental or what have you, but based on what other what people may have brought in the past to the potluck or based on how people carry themselves. 
we were like, um, you can donate because we're going to get some stuff catered. You could just put in like $5, $10 towards the pot. <laughs> you could bring that Haitian rice because I know how you do. And it's very good. And you're very stellar with your cleaning and hygiene. You could bring in some Jean Jean. You know, so it sounds terrible to say that or whatever. But um, yeah, we would do it. It worked out and everyone, everyone enjoyed. Even the vegans enjoyed potluck by the time I was done organizing them. But all of that to say, right, I had a potluck for the holidays one year at work and one of my co-workers mom made mac and cheese for her to bring in for the potluck. And I stalked that girl the whole like for the rest of the couple of weeks like, yo, I brought some of that home and hubby is like. This is how macaroni and cheese is supposed to taste. Like it was weeks later, like after he had the macaroni and cheese. Here I am telling you the story, but that's so funny. I said I was gonna not tell you the story. But anyway, weeks pass and Colossal's like, babe, like like he'll just randomly have a outburst. Babe, that macaroni and cheese, that's how it's supposed to like and I'm like, damn, you make me feel bad. Like my stove isn't good. He's like, nah, but you know, you supposed to be making the homemade stuff around the holiday time and you know stovers is cool like if we just have like a regular sunday dinner whatever but in our quest to be more you know eating more hearty food and less processed food right you need to make the mac and cheese and you need to ask that girl for her mom's recipe and i'm like babe i've been asking her i'm waiting i'm waiting for her i can't just like what do we want me to do go fight them for the recipe like i gotta wait i got you know I'm, you know i'm waiting for her mom to get back to me so one day Lo and behold, her mom didn't fail me. Her mom wrote out a nice recipe and um and wrote it out like old school, you know, moms and gave it to her. And she brought it to me like, oh, yeah, I forgot. My mom's had this for you. The recipe for that mac and cheese you've been asking about. So I looked at it. And I was like, oh, and honestly, I didn't, you know, after reading that recipe and everything, I was like, I don't think I ever knew how to make mac and cheese, you know, because this is interesting. So I made it. I didn't even tell him. Right, I bought one of those aluminum pans to make it look like the Stouffer's joint. Made the mac and cheese up, boom, boom, boom. Put it in the oven. So you know he loves my food. Like a lot of people love my food, not just my family. Like I've cooked, and like you know, one Thanksgiving I made so much food that I legit went to the dollar store and got those aluminum to-go plates with the plastic lids that you know you press down, like carry-out plates from the restaurant. And I had I got like twenty of them joints. And, and filled it up like with just food like the rest of the leftovers and Colossal was like this is ridiculous you see how much food you cook to the point that we have we could sell these plates right but I didn't sell the plates what I did was I gave them out I gave them out to family friends people in need my neighbors because um when we first moved to Tampa Tampa was kind of rough looking right it was very country but some parts look very rough, you know, and you turn left, nice neighborhood, you turn right, rough neighborhood. So we kind of lived in the middle. Um, so we knew people in the nice, you know, living really, really nice. And we knew people that were struggling out there. And we loved them all the same. And we gave them all food the same, you know, and everybody like one girl and this girl was nice, got money, she, you know, good job, well off. So but she was just single. 
And um, she DJed, so she would be with us at the studio at my house. We DJing, do you know, vibing. And she was like, "I'm about to go, you know, get something to eat. I'm hungry, you know. I'm gotta go home now. It's late, and we've been working on stuff all night." I said, "Girl, you," I said, "Do you want some, you know, turkey mac and cheese?" Blah blah blah. I said, "It's frozen because I got them in the freezer, but you put that in the oven, you'll be good to go." She was like, "Stop playing with me." So I was like, "Yeah." So I had like maybe three left because it's all still within like a couple of days after thanksgiving or whatever so i said yes yeah. i said you know what take two so you can have one for you know because you you're moving and shaking you can have one for the next day or whatever yo so i forgot you know sent, gave her the food sent her home you know she went home i should say she called back like three in the morning like girl i know you sleeping but this right here is banging oh my god this is like my grandmother cooked this <laughs> she was going off and i was like yo i was like i didn't even know what she was talking about because it was like you know, she left, I went and did other things, and I went to bed, and she called back crazy. Colossal was like, yo, I'm telling you, you be blessing souls when you cook. Like, you cook with love, and you could taste it. You know what I'm saying? Like, your food ain't, like, you be trying. It ain't over salty. It's like, you cook like somebody's grandma do, for real. And I, I was blessed to know, to say that I was raised with my great-grandmother, my grandmother, and my mother, right? My, um... And not all in the same house per se, but these were the women that definitely directly raised me. Oh, and my Aunt Faye. My Aunt Faye is from Florida. She's from Miami, born and raised. And she married my husband, my, my husband, my uncle when I was, uh, before I was even born. So as long as my life, my aunt's been in my life. But um, or anything Southern, you know, like the mustard potato salad, collard greens with the smoked turkey neck bone, stuff like that. I get that from my Auntie Faye. But everything else, like the traditional Jamaican, traditional, like, you know, home-cooked food, I definitely get that from the three ladies in my life, my great-granny, my granny, and my mom. And, you know, when you accustomed to a good food supposed to taste, you know how it's supposed to taste. You're like, nah, this ain't it. Even with my own food, I'm like, mm, this ain't it. And then that's why I like to go out places and try food and then come back in. And try it at home because I can get that taste. It's like I can get the reference taste, right? And then I come back home and I'll try to duplicate the recipe. And I'm pretty good at it. I'm pretty good at um, duplicating recipes, creating new things, creating new sources. I told you I've been trying to do that lately and just having fun with it. So um, once again, and then I'm going to go into the real reason of this episode. But for Thanksgiving, really quickly, y'all, I had... Um, chimichurri lamb mushroom turkey wings um potato au gratin seafood stuffing this whole rant was about my seafood stuffing how years ago i was trying to try different things got the macaroni and cheese under control so after that i was like bang i got my macaroni and cheese now my stuffing i'm trying to spice it up i'm really not a cornbread stuffing just cornbread stuffing type of person i like more of the herb and spices stuffing i guess that's what I grew up on. But anyway, I said I want to try something different. So I did a corn, I did a herbs and spices, seafood stuffing for years. And it was banging. So this year, I said, I'm going to switch it up. And I'm going to do cornbread stuffing. You know what I'm saying? Instead of just using regular toasted bread, I'm going to use cornbread. And I did seafood stuffing. I think I mastered stuffing this year. Because cornbread seafood stuffing is the ish. Trust me, y'all. Trust me, trust me. Colossal even was like, this is the best seafood stuffing ever. And I was like, I agree. Because years before, I would make it. But um, I don't know. I felt like it might have been too seafoody or too fishy. I would use, like, shrimps, um, scallops, crab, you know, just lobster. Just a different variety of seafood. 
And this year, I just was like, I don't like all of that because it made it extra fishy. And in my quest of trying to not make it extra fishy, I said, I'm just going to use crab and shrimp. Because that's what I, I really like. I like garlic buttered crab, you know, shrimp, sautéed garlic butter, lemon pepper, all that. So I said, I'm going to do that together. I'm going to season them with some lemon pepper, garlic butter, etc. Cooked first, sautéed it, then dip, you know, added it to my stuffing. And, oh my goodness. YouTube, there was a guy, he's a chef from... New Orleans, I forget his name right now, but I just love him. Every time I watch his videos, he just I just sit there and be smiling. Cause I'm like, why are you smiling like that? I'm like, because he's just so nice. Like he exudes a positive energy through the TV. But anyway, dude is from Louisiana and he makes all of the traditional New Orleans type of food, you know, gumbo, seafood stuffing, crawfish, beignets. Like he's that dude. So I love watching him make stuff. And he, out of anyone else, he added a can of cream of shrimp, Campbell's cream of shrimp to his seafood stuffing. So I was like, hmm, I'm gonna try that this year because I never tried that before. That, oh my God, it, no no seafoody fishy taste, all flavor, all seafood. Oh man, oh man, it was the best stuffing this year. So yes, it was great. So in my quest to continue to show you my foodie ex experiences, I will be posting some food for you guys because I cook every day damn near and I'll be making some extraordinary dishes but it'll just be like VIP just be and I'm going to share more I'm going to share more so we're going to get back to that I've been really busy though mama's been working all right so before we go any further as you can see by the title this episode is called true story and I basically want to touch base on some of the symbolisms that I seen in that new Kevin Hart limited series so it's called true story it's on Netflix it stars Kevin Hart snipes and it's about two brothers one super successful one who's still pursuing his dreams and they meet for I don't know, it seems like a week or a couple of nights in Philly while the brother's on a tour stop. So let's go back now. Kevin Hart, he plays a character called Kid. Kid is a successful comedian from Philadelphia, ironically. Sounds like a little bit of a true story there because Kevin Hart is really a successful comedian from Philadelphia. So he um, went to Philly on a tour. And he did a couple of nights out there. He's also a big action movie star. He's, um, you know, doing a lot of things, but his main job is comedy. So he's doing a comedy tour. He's on tour and he comes to um, Philly. So when he's there, he um, links up with his brother who actually lives there still. He's there from there. That's their hometown. And it kind of shows you the series of events that happen over the next course of days or the next couple of days while he's in Philadelphia taking care of business for his career, also trying to take care of his brother's business, right? So uh, let me just go into the story real quick. It was hella good, first of all. So I'm not even going to wait to the end to give you no type of um, crazy, oh, review, blah, blah, blah. It was hella good. It was better than I anticipated because I'm going to tell you like this, just to be honest with you. I like Kevin Hart. I like I respect him for doing what he do. I legit just watched the Different Strokes live um, show, live version in front of a live studio audience. You know, the thing that they have on TV now for the holidays. And it was him and Damon Wayans. And it was great. It was so great that I said that they should have used Damon's son instead of him. <laughs> but that's another story. But Kevin Hart did great as Arnold. It was so good. So in addition to that, I'm seeing him expand his horizon. And as a part of doing so, you can see the growth and the, and the, and the progress and the growth. So with that being said, um, 
this was a very turn, a very different type of role for Kevin Hart. In this role, it was a serious role. He was not really, even though he was a comedian in the movie, which I thought was very dope, he was a comedian, but it wasn't a comedy, right? And it was a drama series, and it made it even feel more real because the comedian was from Philadelphia like Kevin Hart, and it just made you feel like, yeah, this is might be about him. So the part that gets good is, um, okay, so he gets there. Apparently, in the beginning of the movie, as as it goes on, because it's not a movie, it's a limited series. So it's about seven episodes, if I'm not mistaken, seven episodes on Netflix. But um, the episodes are not really, they kind of range and vary. Some might be closer to 30, 40 minutes. Others hit right at the hour, you know, but um, pretty good series, pretty damn good. The... The first thing that caught my attention about it was, of course, it's Kevin Hart. Of course, he's been a comedian. So I'm like, it says true story. What is this about, right? So as you're watching it, you see he's giving an interview. It opens up. He's giving an interview. He's telling them, like, hey, I plan to change. I plan to grow. Things I've been through, blah, blah, blah. As it goes on, you kind of get the idea of, like, okay, maybe he's been through something and he's, like, rehabilitated, right? So you see... um, he has an ex-wife and a son. He, they have a very good interaction. They're in a healthy space. He has a business partner who, or a manager who you can tell, you know, he lives on an emotional roller coaster taking care of the main character. So Kevin Hart's name of the show was Kid. I may not, you know how I do, may not remember all the characters, but I will tell you this, but I am remembering. So Kevin Hart's name on the show, on the movie, yeah, on the show was Kid. And Wesley Snipes, who was his brother on the show, his name was Carlton. So Kid and Carlton, two brothers. Carlton, of course, is the older brother to Kid, who's the younger brother. Kid is the more successful brother, if that makes any sense. He's a comedian. He's on tour. He has a whole staff. Like the, basically, the whole world responds to him. Budget, money, millions. Throw here. Throw, he calls the accountant up. Yeah, send two million over. You know, he's that type of success story in this movie. So, which to me, closely similar. You know, relates to his real life. It similarly mirrors his. You know, eerily mirrors his real life. I should say. So, um. Now he's, you know, in Philly, he's done a show for the night. So you see him out there, you see like his staff. He has like a, I guess a writer. I said, I, w- I kept on calling her Tiffany Haddish, but it wasn't Tiffany Haddish. I was just saying like the character that she played, like, you know, maybe that's who Tiffany is because he has a really good relationship with Tiffany. But this girl was like a comedian as well. She's a writer for his show. Like she's a, a writer for his actual stuff. But then she also was like a friend, a really good friend. They so very supportive of him and they very like, they keep like a very tight net or circle around him they'll circle the wagons around kid immediately because I guess whatever he's been through prior to the show has caused them to be more protective of him so the manager the writer which is the I call her the Tiffany Haddish for this but the manager the writer for him his security guard because he has a security guard a bodyguard they all are very focused on um you know, making sure he's good and protecting him, you know, so you could still, you could tell like he's at a point in his life where he's really successful. He's really positive, but he's come from a dark place. And as the show progressed, you could see that it was drinking. Like he had a drinking problem. I think among other things, like maybe he was, you know, having sex, drinking, you know, just doing that party stuff, drugs and etc. And he cleaned himself up. He rehabilitated. So his staff and his team, <clears throat> 
they go out their way to make sure he's not exposed to things that will help him, you know, fall off the wagon easily. So they know one of the biggest influences on him is his brother, Carlton, a.k.a. Wesley Snipes. It's so crazy. I've been having the urge and I might have called him that throughout this. Wesley Chapel is just because where I live at. We have Wesley Chapel. But no, it's Wesley Snipes. <clears throat> Excuse me. So long story short, um, the brother Carlton is apparently a bad influence or has been in the past a bad influence on the brother. So you can see where they really are just like, hey, we're going to Philly. Are you prepared? Are you OK with this? Because they know that the brother has just a bigger influence on him as than they can ever have. Right. And they know with with them, with his staff, he's doing great things. He's successful. These are people that care about him. And the manager just had a top notch level of anxiety towards the brother right like man he's back are you gonna be okay is he gonna be okay do I need to worry about anything blah 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 he's like no he's fine he's fine so the whole time Kevin Hart's like yo he's fine so you can kind of just see that oh maybe it's just like you know instantly gives you like oh this the big brother that he's a prankster he's a jokester he doesn't really you know take you seriously because to him you'll always be his little brother type of thing right so he's like joking with him you know making like a little you have to see because i want to give all the details away but he did a couple of pranks in a hotel room and you know people are like okay your brother's here and so even the security guard came in because they thought it was like a big fight but he was like oh it's the brother and then you know it, it was kind of cool but you could still lay like damn how long he gonna be here you know whatever <clears throat> So at first, you know, Wesley Snipes or Carlton, I should say, Carlton did not really give me any um, room for alarm or cause for alarm. I should say at the start of the show, it was just like jerk ass older brother. Basically, everyone has one Like you know, think they could bully you, think they could, you know, take advantage of you because they're your older brother. And you're like, dude, you're overstepping boundaries like a motherfucker. Go step back over your boundary. But um. Being the younger sibling, I get it. Sometimes you might not want to say that because you're like, oh, this is going to start a whole whirlwind and shit. And other times you just be like, I don't want to be bothered because you know you already know what you're going to get, right? So that's the energy I got from Wesley Snipes. Like he was that big brother that was just a jerk, you know? But um, yeah. But then at the same time, I started to be like, no, maybe I'm wrong because he started like, you know, hey, hey, let's, you know, and started like being helpful for his brother and, you know, stuff like that. So they go to the show. After the brother comes, he goes to a show, he performs. After the show, the brother's like, after party. And he's like, nah, I don't really do that no more. You know, I'm just going to chill because I got things to do in the morning. I got some interviews to do, so I'm going to go chill. The brother's like, come on, man. Like, we in Philly, blah, blah, blah. We going to the party. We're going to go to the after party. So they go to the club. And, you know, they in the VIP section. You know, he's the he's kid, the comedian. So they know who he is. VIP drinks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So um, he brings some girls over. Carlton, which is Wesley Snipes. He brings over some girls to the VIP section, introduces one to um, kid, which is Kevin Hart. And they start having drinks, et cetera. Next thing you know, he wakes up. He's in the bed. The girl's dead. And he's like, come on, we got to get her out of here. We got to get out of here. We got to get out of here. And he's like, what the fuck? And he was like, you know, he's trying to get his bearings together to be like, is she dead? Like, let me check the body. He's like, don't check the body. Don't. She's dead. You know, so to me, I thought that was strike number one. But 
he went with it like, oh shit, oh shit, you know, and you, somebody wake you up out your sleep and you never know what the hell happened and now someone, you lay in the bed with a, a dead person, right? So he's like, oh shit. So he's like, I'm going to call a cleaner. He's going to come through. He's going to, you know, basically everything done. The reason why I said cleaner, that, that might not have been the word he used, but if y'all remember Pulp Fiction when, uh, when, um, Oh my God, Sam Jack and John Travolta shot the kid in the car and they had to bring the car to Quentin Tarantino's house and his wife was at work and he was like, I don't want my wife coming in here and seeing this. And the cleaner came and remember the cleaner cleaned them up, hosed them down, got rid of the body, etc. right? So I guess when I'm watching this show, I'm thinking of that type of scenario. Like, okay, this guy's going to come in, get rid of the body. You know, this is what they do. He's a celebrity. Is Nothing didn't happen. So basically, that's kind of what happened, right? So he's like, damn, you know. So he was like, just relax, you know, go sit in this room. Don't come out until, because, you know, you're a celebrity. I don't want them knowing that you are involved in this. This is what Carlton, his brother, says. So he's like, all right, bet. So he goes in the room. He sits there. He's like, what the fuck? How do I get myself into this shit? Blah, blah, blah. He ends up falling asleep. When he falls asleep, he wakes up. Everything is done. Like, the body's gone. Everything's back to normal. It's a big breakfast on the table, like, room service. And the cleaner is there, the dude that helped get rid of everything. And so he's like, hey, just to let you know, you know, my services don't come cheap. That's going to be $6 million. I need you to do X amount of, you know, like $500,000 a month for the next year something to that effect and he was like that's like six million dollars like yeah or you could pay me up front but either way you're gonna pay me for my services if not you're gonna have problems so the, now he's like what he's like yeah you got until tonight he's like you're rich you got this movie you got that movie yes you're like a superstar you're on action um movies you're got this big tour you got money and he's like did you make like 20 million last year off of that such and such movie yeah you, you could do this so give me my money or it's gonna be problems i'll be back so now he's like how the fuck i went to sleep wake up to a dead girl go back to sleep wake up to being extorted for six million dollars so now he's like what the fuck is going on so he brings his brother so the brother comes in conveniently as the other guy leaves and he's like yo you know how did it go blah 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 he was like yo dude wants six million dollars the brother was like well you know you're gonna have to pay for that type of service so you know for what he did you, know, you gotta pay for it i mean what can we do and he's like man i didn't think it was gonna be that much though damn and so he was looking at him like, I guess I'm going to have to fucking pay it because, you know, I don't want no problems. I don't even know what the fuck is happening. I don't even know, if, you know, whatever. But he, everything was going so quick that he couldn't even really stop to think. Like, Carlton had his brother on an emotional roller coaster as soon as he got there to the point that it didn't allow him to think, in my opinion. So you're just like, you're trying to keep up, but you know emotionally you don't feel like this is right. But you're, trying to, you're still trying to do the right thing. So that's what I was getting from Kevin Hart character so wesley's wesley's character was more so like um yeah i'm gonna get this taken care of for you cousin um, brother don't worry about it so he's running around then he goes back um to talk to the mob guys to like see if he can smooth something over get a lower price etc so while he does that you know the guy's giving him a time frame so kevin hart now is like moving money around he's like all right i'm gonna have to do some things so when the when the manager sees kevin hart like kind of his demeanor changing kind of like 
asking about money, asking to speak directly to the accountant and stuff like that. He was like, this has something to do with your brother, doesn't it? Carlton is all over this. I see this. Then he was like, no, 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 no. It's good. It's good. I just want to set him up one last time because I'm not coming back to Philly after this. So I just, you know, he got the restaurant. He said, well, you put money to that restaurant and lost money. You know, like the guy was really on him, like his manager. And the guy was like, I had an eating disorder. I had this, that, and another because of your shit with your brother. <clears throat> You know what I'm saying? You don't, you fail to realize that when you get into it with your brother and you let your brother pull you on all these fucking roller coasters, it's pulling us with you. So he's like, nah, nah, it's my brother. I'm going to do what I want to do. So I'm going to go ahead and get this money and send it to him. You get the accountant to get me that money. Boom, boom, boom. So you can see the white guy starting to like red flags is popping up. Here we go again. Right. So he start watching him a little bit more or whatever like that. Um, The Tiffany Haddish girl. I don't think they really needed her in the show. Only thing I said is like maybe she reflected being Tiffany Haddish. I don't know. But she wrote for him and then she was like trying to pursue her own comedian career, comedy career. So her her line wasn't really main. You know, like it wasn't really important to this. But anyway, <clears throat> the manager, though, he's like, you know, trying to figure out what's going on. And Kevin Hart's not letting him know. So then um, he gets the money now and he tells the guy, OK, you know, we got the money. Come and get it because I, I want to get this taken care of. So Wesley's like, okay, well, I'm not going to be there. I got some things to take care of. Boom, boom, boom. And he's like, yeah, well, he'll be here. His name is Ari. Ari was a cleaner guy. So he's like, Ari will be here. So he's going to be here tonight at six o'clock, whatever. So I'm going to just take care of everything then. And he was like, all right. So this is where plot twists. And honestly, everything I just said was like episode one. I'm not even going to give you all seven episodes because that would be like a seven hour damn review here but i'm going to kind of condense it down for you at the end of episode one ari sitting in a room in a hotel room like yeah you got my money well like, how do you even get, cut my fucking check like talking real reckless to kid and to me i felt like yo it's like they don't respect this dude and somebody gave this man permission not to respect him because who how you don't know him from a can of paint even though granted you did clean up a dead body out of his hotel room etc but you don't know this man you don't know what he's capable of doing or who he can who he's connected to right you just see he's rich so you just think you could punk him and run six million from him so dude was like run me my fucking money he was like yo this is hard to do and blah 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 and i don't really like nobody you know being like i have to answer to anybody he was like yo shut the fuck up and run my check basically is like how he said it so Kevin Hart snapped and killed that dude, killed that dude. And I was like, go, Kevin. Yes. And then when he killed him, the brother Carlton came back in thinking like, okay, you gave him the money. Everything is good. And he was like, nah, I'm not answering to nobody no more. And I'm not going to have nobody thinking they can control me no more. I'm taking my life back. So Wesley, Wesley Snipes was like, oh, you killed him? Why did you kill him? Okay, so now it's a whole serious situation of getting rid of another body, right? So the girl died. They had to get rid of her. Daddy got to get rid of the guy who got rid of the girl. It's like a just emotional roller coaster. So they get rid of the body, all this stuff. Then he's still doing his appearances. He's still doing his shows. He's still doing his interviews. All that stuff is still happening. But he's like, okay, now I want to go ahead and um 
you know, kind of get, I got to keep it normal because my manager already thinks I'm acting strange already. And a couple of people think my, my, um, emotions are different. So I got to get back on track. So he gets back on track. He does an interview. He does like a, um, charity event for kids at that event. He has like his number one fan comes up to him, but he kind of dissed him because it wasn't like he did on purpose. It was just showing you like what he was thinking about. He got a dead body at the hotel room. He got to figure out what he's going to do, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, at the end of that, he kind of, it came back around. That was his number one fan. So when the dude knew he was in Philly, he loves him to death. So he's going to follow him. His name is Gene. He's going to follow him. He's going to go to any show he has. Like he has newspaper articles from them since they were children, you know, growing up. And he loved and respected Carlton just the same way. Cause he said, if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have no kid. So you are, you know, I love you too, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, um, Come to find out he witnessed them throwing or dumping the body. And it was like, oh, shit. And then he's kind of kooky. So we don't know if he's going to tell or he's going to try another person to try and bribe us. So you, it was just like one of those type of movies where it's like a, a, you're on the fucking, you know, threat, the, the threadmill. We're just running, running, running. Or that hamster in a wheel, running, running, running. Because as soon as you think you're over something, then you look to the left and something else coming. Then you're like, okay, I fixed that. Then you look to the right, something else pops up. You're like, oh, my God, oh, my God. So it was like a whole series of him trying to fix something that derived from the last fuck up you know so the girl got killed the guy um got rid of the girl one in six million he killed the guy got rid of the guy the other guy seen him so he's like damn do we get rid of him i want to keep killing people so now i want to uh you know it was really crazy like so now i'm gonna be his friend so he becomes this guy's friend because he realized that the guy doesn't he's not really a killer he's not really into bribing him or he doesn't want anything from him but his time and his attention because he really was his number one fan so kid uh, he peeped that and he said let me go ahead and um be his friend take him on a couple of you know shows behind the scene you know let him get that celebrity you know feel what boom 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 everybody loved gene and his followers started going up everybody was loving gene and you could see where the brother was becoming jealous of that you could see where the brother didn't like that wesley wesley um wesley's character didn't like it so um He's like, yeah, you know, behind the scenes, Gene, boom, 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 we doing our thing. And he got, you could see as soon as he saw like the Instagram video, he got hot. Like this motherfucker got him out of here. So I don't want to give you all of it away, but this is what I wanted to tell you. The symbolisms about the show. It was really good, but these are the symbolisms I caught. For the first thing is um, you do need a team. And when you do put your team in place, your team has to be emotionally, physically, mentally involved like you are. If not, it's not going to work. Like the manager was getting sick, you know, having eating disorders and having to see a psychiatrist behind the effects of kid's brother towards their business because he knows that they have a lot invested and his brother was the cause of a lot of the fuck ups and a lot of the mishaps and missteps in kids career and life period right that was that that's what the managers symbolizes to me the manager guy the um to me the girl symbolizes someone that you know they want to be there with you when you're laying the foundation but they're going to put they're going to build a house with someone else because she was there she was writing for him she loved him but the whole time she was like kind of plotting on him too 
you know, and then like also plotting her own career path, which is nothing wrong with that. But they were supposed to be a team and she really wasn't 100% in, in my opinion. So she represents those people in your life that um, they'll be like they're down, but they're really just down for what they can benefit from. And then they're going to move on to the next tree of opportunities. So that's what I think the girl, the Tiffany Haddish girl represented to me in the movie. So now we're going to get to the meat and potatoes. Um, Carlton, which was Wesley Snipes. To me, he represents um, that family member. And y'all know what I'm talking about, like Cain and Abel, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's legit that, you know, you see, they, they call it sibling rivalry and you'd be hearing that shit and you'd be like, oh, that's just, you know, no, it's motherfuckers that really killed their siblings, that really do shit like what happened in this, this show to their siblings. He was the root of all of this dude's confusion, his brother. You know, the brother that he loved, the brother that he felt guilty because he was more successful than him. So he's like, hey, I'm going to help you get your business up. Hey, I'm going to help you do this. Like willing to jump out there and do anything for their brother and anything he offered to do. The brother didn't want it because period, it was coming from you and I don't like you. So it's never going to be anything good enough coming from you. Right. So that's what um, Wesley Snipes represented to me, that sibling that it may not even be just a brother. It could be a family member, you know, or a friend that became so close. You are like family. But that person in your life that's too close, that controls your emotions, like because it's like, oh, we have that's my brother from, you know, it was only me and my brother growing up. But let's talk about when your brother used to fight you and, and punch you in the face and, you know, break up your toys. So stuff like these are red flags that's been there your whole life. But that person, you know, we have a, you have two people. You'll have the Wesley Snipes, the Carltons, and you'll have the kids. You know what I'm saying? I personally am a kid when it comes to like my family and stuff. I'm like the kid type of person. But um, the Carltons, I definitely have a few of those in my family as well. Where it's like, regardless of whatever you do, I'm not going to like it because it came from you. I'm not going to support it because it's yours. I'm not going to share it. I'm not going to tell anybody about it. I'm not going to encourage anything around this because it's yours. Right? And then as soon as, as, soon as you being the kid character, show someone else love or show someone else support or reciprocate that love and support from someone else, which nine times out of 10 may not be a family member. It might be a gene behind the scenes gene. Now, if you watch the show or after you listen to this and then watch the show, it will all make sense. So you have the brother, which is Carlton, terrible, terrible, terrible. Then you have the gene who loves you unconditionally and don't know you from a can of paint. You know, the strangers that love you. Whenever you're doing something out there, the strangers are going to love you more and faster than the people that know you. When you hear someone say, oh, your little radio show, they don't like you and they don't like the fact that you're doing better than them. Oh, when they try to always belittle you, oh, well, I'm going to come down to where you, to your little town where you at. I'm going to come and see, I'm, you know, come down and I see you be doing little things. When it's all like that, watch them motherfuckers because they don't like you. Trust and believe. And people think that like I'm dumb, like, because I know a lot of motherfuckers around me and I'm watching how they move and people be thinking that I'm slow, but yeah, you know, I'd rather you think I'm dumb and you don't even see it coming type of thing. But that's why I keep to myself because you'll be surprised. Like I saw a, a quote the other day that said, somebody can have a whole loaf of bread 
and be mad at your one slice. And that should be so true. I've seen it all my fucking life. You know what I'm saying? So true. Because I'm a happy person. And it seemed like all my life, people try to take my happiness away from me. People try to, like, make me miserable and make me fucked up. And it was a point in time that I fell into that vortex of darkness. You know what I'm saying? And it was not a good time for me because I was not where I was supposed to be. But people will bring you there. And then when you look around, all these motherfuckers is happy because you're in the darkness place. Now that I'm back, I'm, you know, in my good place, I don't see them motherfuckers half of them none of them reach out to say how you doing because that was not the purpose of them being in my life their purpose was to create havoc to cause downfall to cause you know just bullshit and stress and anxiety right and those people you have to recognize it and fucking kill it dead the way kid did in that movie in that show and I'm not talking about physically but just dead that you know you got to know when the energy is off balance off kill you got to know when the energy is not there for you and move where your energy is move go where you're celebrated like kid had a whole team celebrating him then at the end of the thing okay so let me finish with the symbolism so gene represents the stranger that will support you faster than family and friends that you know in all your life okay they're vital because you know even if you see it on a dude's like deathbed he still rode for kid to the end. You know, I was like, nah, I'm going to take it because that's what real people do. And those people that would take it for you and, and, and have your back and fall on the sword for you, not saying they necessarily really do it, but you know what I'm saying? Fight for you, fight next to you, fight in front of you, fight behind you, fight with you. It's never, it's nine times out of 10, it won't be a family member. I can tell you that much. And then nine times out of 10, that's going to probably be one of the realest people you ever meet in your life. You know what I'm saying? And people, and people will try to convince you otherwise that they're not real. People will tell you that this person's not real, that they're realer than them. So that way they can pull you back into their, their clutches and continue to fuck up your life. And you don't even know what's happening to you. You're walking around like a cloud, like a fog, like a chicken with your head cut off. Because they're fucking up your life while they're happily ever after with theirs. So... This show was fucking deep to me because I didn't look at it like, oh, man, this brother did that fucked up. I looked at it for what the symbolisms of each character were, you know. Then it was one more character that I want to touch on, the bodyguard. The bodyguard, in my opinion, loved Kid like a brother. Like, he probably wanted to be like a brother or be, get that treatment like, the, uh, like a brother from him. But he kind of kept that harshness towards him because of, A, I pay you, you're my, you know, you're my bodyguard. And then B, I already, I'm already going through shit with my fucking brother. I don't trust, you know, none of y'all niggas right now. I don't want to hear what any of y'all got to say. And anybody that move fishy, I'm all y'all putting y'all in the same boat. So I think, dude, the bodyguard, well, let me go back a bit. He represents that person right at the end, like, cause some motherfuckers will ride with you to the end and like I said have you feeling like oh he's a brother he's more of a brother than my real brother my brother ain't shit he's more of a brother than my real brother he's she's more of a sister than my real sister you know that type of thing but at the end they will fucking fuck you over too because he was like hey I found out this found out that and I want six million dollars now you have to pay me six million dollars and in the end he was like you know what I'd rather pay you than pay anyone else you know so it was almost like a two uh, that character represented two sides like a person that took a lot of shit and didn't really you know stand up for himself but then at the back end he just said you know the world ain't fair i'm gonna get grimy too and turned grimy to win 
so he could finally get a win, right? So you have all these different type of characters around you. One that you that you'll believe in, you know, but they don't have you. They trying to kill you. They trying to get you in the most fucked up position ever. But you showing them love. You breaking bread with them. You're giving them money. You feeding them. You taking care of their families, feeding their kids. And those be the main ones. You know what I'm saying? Family. Whoo, that movie right there just was triggering for me as you know, as far as like the um family portion of it, because you know, you always hear that that family tends to be the worst. You know, now I'm not gonna say my family is the worst, but I've had some encounters. You know, that you'd be like, oh my god, I'm I'm good. You know, and it's it doesn't matter regardless of whatever. Like some family members, you don't have to see them. Just like how Kid and Carlton were, which is Wesley Wesley Snipes and Kevin Hart. They don't see each other like that. It's been years since they've seen each other because Kevin Hart is working on himself. He's working on his career. He's working on being a better person. And Wesley Snipes was working on this business, right, that did not work. It was almost like he was stagnated because the restaurant wasn't even open. But he was going there every day and cleaning it up. Like, dude, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing to get this shit back up? You know what I'm saying? Instead of causing havoc in my life. Focus on what you say your dream is to have a restaurant do you should be doing everything in your possible in, in your ability to see what you can do to open your restaurant back up you know but instead he was like nah i'm gonna stick it to my brother because i hate him i think i'm better than him why did he get to win and not me what did he why is everyone thinking he's special and not me and that drove him to the point of you know his demise his own demise because he wanted to see his brother fall so bad and so hard and so publicly you know what i'm saying to be humiliated humiliated publicly that he did this whole elaborate scheme you know and then when it came back on him because people were like yo i didn't even want to do this this was your brother's ideal you know what i'm saying and then people that that hurt him the most like what i'm doing all this shit and this dude's trying to get me killed they're trying to get me fucked up in the game wow you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm taking to the basketball. And that was a crazy thing, like, towards the end of it. Like, when you can see Kevin Hart is realizing what it is. And he's realizing that he's going to have to make that tough decision of being like, yo, I don't want to see you again. And sometimes you have to be like that. It's terrible. And it, 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 you, it'll still, like, if you're human and you have emotions, it'll still be raw on you years later where you'll be like, damn. You know what I'm saying? I remember, you know, this that's such and such. And, you know, like, for example, in this case with the show, Kid and Carlton. I know Carlton probably like, damn, I miss my little brother. That nigga over here doing all these movies and shit. I would love to see him. I know a part of him, you know, was happy for his brother and wanted to connect with him like that. But the jealousy part of him just overrode and was so powerful that it just took over. And that was more powerful than actually connecting with your brother. You wanted to see him fall so bad. So at the end of the movie, when you could see Kevin Hart was realizing what was happening, you could see his demeanor change towards the brother. And he's like, you know what? At first, he wasn't taking place. Like, nah, you stay here. We'll go afterwards. We'll go out afterwards or whatever. And the brother was kind of feeling like, damn, you took Gene out, but not me, you know? So this had they had like a basketball game and he was like, We're going to the game. It's gonna be me, you, the bodyguard. We're going to the game. We're gonna get I don't want no ringside seats though. I wanna be up in the in the box or whatever. We're gonna be private, get some food, we're gonna do it up. And he was like, Oh word, so you can see Wesley's Wesley's face, he's happy, his demeanor changed. He he's not even thinking about all the shit in place to fuck his brother up that's pending right now. He's like, Oh yeah, I'm VIP. I'm eating like the bodyguard's not eating, Kevin Hart's not eating, Wesley Snipes isn't eating, chilling, he's enjoying the game, he's rooting them on. 
having a good time and he's looking at him like yo this motherfucker because that's what it was about he wanted to be there he didn't want to be there with Kevin per se his brother he wanted to be in the limelight and enjoy all that shit but you don't have the discipline or the skill sets to make it happen for yourself so you want to come over here and ruin minds so you can just see the way it played out it was man and if anyone has ever had any type of sibling rivalry, cousin, family, or even a close friend, and you know, like I'm pretty sure those characters, we can all relate to them in some facets of our life. You know what I'm saying? Like to me, it was triggering watching that shit, even though I'm not a big millionaire, um, comedian or whatever as of yet, because God, it, God only knows what he has planned for me. And I know, you know, I, I dream about success and I dream about farming lands and countries daily. So I know that God ain't done with me. He's by far not through with me but um imagine like you know what I'm saying like you have all this stuff but then you got these people around you you know what I'm saying and we don't even have to have all that stuff to have people around you like that you know what I'm saying people that want to get what you got and they only want it because you got it and they don't like you so that's driving their hate and their mission to destroy you like that should be crazy out there then you have people that you know um just want to be you like the comedian girl like she was close enough stayed around close enough just to you know study and get like comedy stylings and jokes and then she went up and did her own jokes okay then um the security guard like hey i'm quiet i'm here i'm supportive but to me in the end he was kind of the worst one because he could have been like all right you know i'm still here with you he was like nah fuck this and i'm not secure you know i'll, I'll be the bodyguard but you got to pay me hush money six million and he just saw an opportunity and took it. And that was, I think, in the end was like, well, damn, I didn't know you was this much of a herb. So since you are this much of a herb, I'm going to take advantage too. Then you had the manager. The manager is, the, you know, that one person that's going to go through the emotional roller coaster with you. It could be a significant other. It could be your business partner. It could be your business partner. That's your significant other. It, it, you know, it just that one person that only know they know you not only on a business level, but they also know you on an emotional level. And they kind of are protective of you in that right, you know? And um, so to me, I, I really thought it was a good movie, a good series. I keep on saying movie, but True Story was definitely a good series. And the part, uh, oh, oh my God, you know every show, I like to end it with a song. So I'm going to end this right here with, um, it was a Tupac song that and, that played at the end of the show. Well, end of episode one when he killed Ari and I was like that's the perfect song because damn right let me see it was I think it was Hail Mary Hail Mary by Tupac I think I'm gonna play that I think that's what I'm gonna do I think I'm gonna play Hail Mary because when he killed um Ari and then the brother came back in you could see the brother was not expecting it to go the way it went right and he's like oh shit and that was another thing. How could I forget the biggest symbolism of all? The biggest symbolism of all is take back what's yours. You know what I'm saying? I'm in the process of doing that now. Like my energy, my spiritual energy, my love, my strength, you know what I'm saying? Just everything. I'm taking back what's mine. You know what I'm saying? And that's what Kevin Hart had to do. He had to take back what's his. Because if not, people would take and take and take and take, have you on an emotional roller coaster running around like you don't know what the hell is going on. Watch that show so you can see what I'm talking about. Running around like you don't know what's going on. You're going crazy. And you know what I'm saying? This is some fucked up shit. People will have you in it. 
so you're going to have to reclaim yours. So he reclaimed his when he was like, I'm not paying this dude $6 million. You know what I'm saying? Was that the right decision? Maybe not. He claimed at the end when he had to say like, yo, it's my brother or me. It's either my brother or me. You know what I'm saying? And at the end of that show, he had to do what he had to do. And he ended up taking back his life and taking what was his, rightfully his, you know? So that was the biggest symbolism of it all. Like throughout the whole show, Kevin Hart is fighting to take back what's his, you know what I'm saying? And, or to keep what's his and protect what's his. And that's very vital to us because people will try and dry you out, suck you dry, and then as soon as you get a little bit of light again, hit it back to suck you dry. They don't want you. They're not going to pump no light into you when you're down. They're not going to boost you up and help you. You know, they're not going to water your plants so you can get some nourishment and some light. No, they're not going to do that. What they're going to do instead is suck you dry until you're brown, withered away. And then they just throw you away and move on to the next. And then if you come back like, I'm dry, I'm brown, I need some water, help me. They're like, nah, bitch. You dry. We don't help dry niggas out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I know it sounds crazy, this episode, but I really wanted to touch on that because I have something else that I'm going to drop too. But I didn't do this review when it dropped because I kind of didn't want to do a spoiler alert. But I gave it a little bit of time there because I'm saying hopefully enough people would see it by now so we can have a dialogue around it. And you can tell me what you think. But to me, I think this um, whole series was more so about um, symbolisms versus um, a brother, two brothers and sibling rivalry. I think it was more about the symbolic aspect of it. Of like you're always going to have that one stranger. Who supports you and loves you more than anyone you try to sell this. You know your product to. Like in my case I related to it because it's music. I have people from the other far stretch ends of the earth. That call me up on the phone and be like. We'll discuss my lyrics, you know what I'm saying? And they'll be like, not only am I proud and honored to be working with you, I am truly a fan. I love what you do and break down what they love, why they love what I do. Those type of conversations mean the world to me. You know what I'm saying? And then you have people that know you for years and know your dreams and your hopes and aspirations, haven't spoken to you in 20 years. And the first thing they want to say to you is, oh, I remember when you kicked down the studio door when you were 20 years old. Like, really, dude, out of all the growth and all of the, you know, positive, you know, spiritual enlightenment, it's just development that pers a person has been or, you know, been through. You can reduce them to a bad moment in their life. To me, people like that don't care about you. People like that want to keep you where you at because to them, in their mind, you'll forever be under them. When you move out of those places and you move into bigger spaces and claim your space like how Kevin Hart did it's not it's inevitable you get those people will fade off and they'll fucking it's almost like you know um they'll just fade away they'll just fade away into the sunset like you don't even see them like they just never even existed and I love that I love that because it's really true people will keep you in a negative space to keep their shit going half of those people's lives ain't even great and that's why they don't like you because, you know, you'd be thinking like, oh, damn, you know, like, for example, with me, you know, I don't have any children. I have a doggy and that's my baby and he's spoiled. I take care of him better than some of these people take care of their kids. But people always want to like persecute us. Like, oh, you don't have no kids. You don't have no kids. Uh, uh, uh. Nigga, I see y'all niggas when y'all was struggling, trying to teach them kids during the pandemic and try to feed them niggas and all this other shit. I don't want to deal with that. That's, that's the path you chose. I don't have to deal with that. So I think that it'd be like a little bit of, um, you know, 
animosity towards me because I don't have kids and they do and I'm not saying everybody but the conversations that I've had over the years and you'd be like yo chill relax then people that are in loveless marriages they'd be like oh are you really like don't try to throw those shot over here because I am fucking happy I don't cheat we're loyal to each other loyal to the soil and we don't step outside of our union we respect what we have and we respect each other because that's my king i'm his queen there's a difference you know what i'm saying and people would come and try to defile that and try to deface that because they're not happy within self so they would want to bring that unhappiness onto you and then like if you're like in this situation like with kid if you suck in and 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 give into that bullshit you know what happens you become fucked up and then those people loving it and they're happy. They're really not happy, but they're loving and happy and feeling good about themselves because at least they're not alone in the misery. Like how Carlton, kid's brother, Wesley, Wesley Snipes or whatever it was, he, the more confused um, kid got, the character, Kevin Hart's character got, the more depressed he became, the more like sullen he became, is the more upbeat Carlton became, is the more happier he became, the more like he's dancing and singing, is because he was enjoying the downfall of his brother, and people are like that, look around you guys, when you are doing, you know, bad, or you're, you know, feeling depressed, and you see people that come around you and then when you look good you're feeling good and you're happy observe those people around you too and tell me if this is the same people I can guarantee you it's not okay I can guarantee you it's not on that note I gotta go because I got so much other things to do I gotta go back into the studio but um think about what I said guys you know like I said I really didn't want to go into the show but I just want to give you a premise so you can get an understanding of the symbolisms that I was discussing but in my opinion I truly feel like it's like that like this show to me was so good but it was also triggering because you can see it on a daily basis and like if your emotional intelligence is low if you're um blinded by old emotions you want to remind yourself yeah you had a fun time with a situation but what did my you know brother do to me after that like like look at the whole picture if you have a person you dated and you're like oh my god you see them on instagram or you know wherever you see them in passing and they looking good and you're like oh my god but look at the whole picture did this person respect you did this person treat you like a king did this person treat you like a queen and then if you start to bring back those other feelings go with that don't go with the nostalgic Oh, I remember days of old when we were little kids. Go with the worst feeling that this person has made you feel. You know why? Because that's the realest one. That's really them. Okay? That's really them. I could tell you anything out my mouth, but how it make you feel is going to last and stay with you forever, right? So that's all I say, guys. Remember that. Okay? Love yourself too, because these motherfuckers out here will make you give up everything and put you in the street in the gutter and, and, and insist that you give them your house. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. That's how people want to do. They want you to feed them and insist you be poor so they can feel good about life. Nah, nigga, don't do that. Don't, like my granny would say, don't smallen up yourself for them. Because them not go, you know what I'm saying? Don't let them drop boom and you drop peng. You make sure you big up yourself and you big up your chest and walk with your head high. And that's what I do. So on that note, y'all, I'm going to leave y'all with that. I ain't going to hold y'all long. I know I got a little triggered towards the end because, yo, on a daily basis, I feel like motherfuckers be trying to test me. You know what I'm saying? Like, even when you try to be nice and just give a positive word and be like, yo, you know, days of old. They like, you want to bring a nigga back to a time? Like, nah, I don't do that anymore. I just um, stand my ground. But at the same time, I don't want to be in that 
space. I'm not in that space. Like me and my dude, we don't have arguments. We don't have infidelity concerns. You know, like I don't worry about, you know, having to put a tracker on him when he leaves the house because he might breathe on another woman and next, you know, fall into her bed, you know? So I don't have those type of concerns and I'm grateful for it, you know? And people will see you happy and see what you are chill, how you chilling and want to slither up and fucking ruin your shit. Don't let them y'all. Do not let them. You could be nice. You could be court, you know, cordial, but know the ground you stand on with certain people. Okay. Cause niggas, women, people, humans are snakes out here. And it's few and far between that really want to see you win, you know? So with me, as long as I keep that on the forefront, I'm good. As long as you guys keep that on the forefront, you will be good. Okay. Cause not everyone is for us. You know, I love you and I hope you guys are sending the love right back my way. But I got to end it on this note. I'm not going to hold y'all long. But you know my motto, I always say, she can talk the podcast. If you like it, tell a friend. If you don't like it, tell a friend. It's not going to hurt me either way. And always, always, always love on you before you love on me. Because you can't love me if you ain't loving on you, right? So spread that love is the Brooklyn way. You know I always throw the catchphrases out there. Until next time, y'all. Y'all stay easy. Peace. Machiavellian is Illuminati all through your body. Blows like a 12 game shot it. Feel me? And God said he's just sending his one begotten son to lead the wild into the ways of the man. Follow me. Eat my flesh, flesh of my flesh. Come with me. Hail Mary, run quick, see. What do we have here now? Killer, but don't push me. Revenge is like the sweetest joy next to getting pussy. Picture paragraphs unloaded, wise words being quoted. Beat the weakness in the rap game and sold it. Bow down, pray to God, hoping that he's listening. See a niggas coming for me, my diamonds when they glistening. Now pay attention, best man, please, Father. I'm a ghost, and these chilling fields. Hail Mary, catch me if I go. Let's go deep inside the solitary mind of a madman. Screams in the dark, evil lurks, enemies see me flee. Activate my hate. Let it break till the flame set trip. Empty out my clip. Never stop to aim. Some say the game is all corrupted. Fucked in this shit. Stuck. Niggas is lucky if we bust out this shit. And plus, mama told me never stop until I bust a nut. Fuck the world if they can't adjust. It's just as well. Hail Mary. Come with me. Hail Mary, nigga. Run quick. See what you be having now. Promise makers never realize the precious time that bitch niggas is wasting. Institutionalized, I live my life a product made to crumble. Must do hard and for a smile. Way too crazy to be humble. We ballin', catch me, father, please, cause I'm ballin'. In the liquor store, that's the Hennessy I hear callin'. Can I get some more? Hell till I reach hell. I ain't scared. Mama checkin' in my bedroom. I ain't there. I got a head with no screws in it. What can I do? One life to live, but I got nothing to lose. Just me and you on a one-way trip to prison. Selling drugs, we all wrapped up in this living like the studs To my homeboys and Clinton Max, doing they bid Raise hell to this real shit and feel this When they turn out the lights, I be hell in the dark Love and eternal through my heart Now Hail Mary nigga, come with me Hail Mary nigga, run quick, see What do we have here now? Do you wanna ride or die? La da 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 da